Hello and welcome to Grand Canyon Echoes, the voice of District 3 Toastmasters. Good morning, Toastmasters and guests. This is Don Griffith, your podcast host. Today, I'm with Lisa Raymond. Hi, Lisa. Hi. Good morning, everyone. Lisa, you are a Toastmaster, correct? Yes, I am, since 2014. Seven years. Yes. You're a veteran. I know. I'm still learning. <laughs> There's still a lot to learn. <laughs> we all are still learning. What is your club? We Markable Speakers out in the West Valley. They're currently hybrid. We meet over Zoom, and we have a location at 91st Avenue in Union Hills. Tell me about how you discovered Toastmasters. How did you first hear about it? That's a funny story, actually. I work with my business mentor and have for over a decade, and I still work with him. He lets me work with him to be a student of his and whatnot for marketing. When we were doing presentations as part of a mentoring group out of Paradise Valley Mall, I had a very bad habit of touching the video screen behind me while they were trying to record so it makes a shimmer and moves things around. But the people enjoyed it because they liked the interactivity of it. I didn't have a laser pointer, and I don't like them anyway, because then you have to figure out where you're pointing at. So I just am more direct. And my mentor said, you know, uh, you need to go to Toastmasters. I said, what is that? And he said, well, they're going to teach you how to present. And I said, okay, how do I find them? He said, Google it. Fine, I'll Google it. He's one of those kind of mentors. He likes you to discover your own information and your own path, but he'll start the path for you. His name's Pat Harder, so I'm just going to throw him under the bus. Hi, Pat. <laughs> I went ahead and did the Googling and thought, okay, this looks like something I could do, but then how do I find a club? And my youngest, who's now a junior in high school, was still in grade school at the time I joined. I had to find something that was in between his school schedule, didn't have to have my husband disturb his work schedule. As I was Googling, I came across Remarkable Speakers. They were the only club meeting at 9.30 in the morning. And I thought to myself, I drop him off at 8.30, 9.30. This works. I only have to go a little bit up the street. I can stop and get coffee. This works. And I've been there ever since. Tell me about your first meeting, your very, very first meeting. I walked in in what I thought was business casual. I had been messaging the president for a while. That was Patricia Fox to find out, okay, when could I come? What's going on with this? What do I need to bring with me? I'll just bring yourself. You're fine. Okay. After two mishaps with my own schedule where I couldn't go because other things came up, that just seems to be the forte of my schedule these days, I finally made it into the club. I introduced myself to her and her husband. They made me welcome, but I was nervous. And they said, okay, we want to get you up speaking as quickly as possible. I said, I'm a guest. I don't know if I know what I'm doing enough to do this. Oh, you'll be fine. So I went up and did a table topics, answered a few questions and thought, yeah, I think I can do this again. So I came back, filled out my membership application and then got hit two weeks later with, we'd like you to do a speech. I said, great. I was doing this over in the mentoring team. This is great. I can handle this. I said, so we need to block off. I okay, like maybe what, three weeks ahead of time. They said, yeah, that's good. I said, okay. And then I need, okay, I need this equipment here. I'll have to put up for a presentation here. So I do my PowerPoint and Frank was laughing his head off. He, that was her husband. And he said, honey, I said, what? It's a five to seven minute speech. And I said, it's a what? <laughs> I've been doing 50 to 60 minute presentations. And I said, how do I readers digest this? I don't understand it. I thought they were going to lose it. They were laughing at that hard. But I've learned how to pare down my speeches to where you're basically giving just an overview or the highlight of the point you're trying to hit. 
That first meeting was intimidating, but it was a lot of fun. Just people getting in, having fun, making mistakes, kind of grumbling a little bit, but it was a lot of fun. Yeah. So you were not one of those people who was afraid to speak. Mm -mm. You were willing to just pitch right in. Yeah. There are others, and you've seen them, who are not that way. Toastmasters has something for all of those people, for everyone. Someone who already has some speaking skills and someone who is just, they maybe were thrown into this by their boss and they don't know what to do. And maybe they're even a little antagonistic about it. They don't really want to be there. That's true. But if the members treat them well, if the, and this is a, a shout out to all clubs, treat your guests really well. Make them welcome. Don't overwhelm them. Yeah. What was the name of that? Was that We Markables? Yes, We Markable Speakers. That's an interesting name. Is that related to a company or something? It is, actually. The club was originally a closed club just for realtors, and they met at the Weimar Service Building, which was the Western Maricopa Association of Realtors. They've since renamed to join with the Southeast Valley, and they're now the West and Southeast Real Estate Group. I think we serve. I'm still trying to learn the name of that. They've been there about a year or so. But they still allow us to meet there, and we have the honor of meeting in their boardroom, which we can have anywhere from 8 to 15 people. But the equipment in there that they allow us to use allows us to be hybrid. We can see the entire room we log in, they log us in with their laptop as themselves, and we can see everyone. They can see us on screen. We're very fortunate to be able to have that set up. That's a great arrangement. Not everyone has that, as I mentioned earlier. We we meet at Denny's, and they have their free Wi-Fi, and that's our portal to the world. Mm-hmm. We're making the best we can with it. We, Our club made a recent decision to, do we stop it and just go in person, or do we go back to all virtual and we agreed to keep it going as a hybrid. We have a few members who can't attend in right. person or do not want to attend in person for health reasons. Right, and that's fine. And we are doing it. And it's got we finally got the drill down and the right <laughs> kind of gear and how to set it up. So Well, I think when you and I talked about this, even when we were trying to set up our interview, we talked about how in the world we've defined then the hybrid environment. We charged then our hybrid chair, Peter Salazar and his team, to find out how do we define hybrid. And I don't think that's the right question anymore. I think it's how do you define the equipment needed for the hybrid. So in the case of my business networking group that meets on Thursdays, it's a laptop. And that's it. We meet in a small room over at Great American Title, again, here in the West Valley, But all it is is someone logging into Zoom with their laptop. We all get around the laptop, and that's how we defined hybrid. At this point, whatever we can do to make it work, that's what we're trying to do to accommodate. So seven years. Yes. And I've known you all those years. (laughs) You poor person. (laughs) (laughs) It's been my pleasure. You have been involved in the district, it seems, for most of that time. About six years. Yeah. Tell me about some of the things you've done at the district level? My first experience was basically going to a TLI, not being a club officer. I was very curious. I'd been given charge of our club's website my first year. You know, if you can help us maintain this, that's fine. If you want to do some things on social media, that's fine. I went to TLI because I was absolutely curious. What is this? I don't know what it is. And for our newer Toastmasters, it's our Toastmasters Leadership Institute 
basically club officer training, or in my case, it was future officer training, because after that, I was thrown in as an officer, and I haven't looked back from that either. I went there and saw the bigger picture of what our membership can really mean. You know, when people say that you put in and get out what you put in, they really do mean that. I went and I said, oh, wait, we got to tell the whole world about this. So I grabbed my phone. I started taking pictures and video and whatnot and continued that to the next year, which is why now we have to use a media release because I was way enthusiastic about trying to get the <laughs> word out. But I saw people learning to do facilitation, learning to moderate or help the facilitators in the room. Volunteers who were just telling people, hey, you got 10 minutes left in this session. You got five minutes had hospitality with food. I thought, this is a huge event that you can't do without help. There's just no way to do it. And even with it being done online, there's no way to do it without help. At the first level of leadership, real leadership, (laughs) when you're going towards your Distinguished Toastmaster or DTM award, everybody starts out with area director. We have to. But anything else we do after that is a choice of stepping into leadership So I did my first year, which would have been my second year in Toastmasters as an area director, and then chose to step up to division director because I thought, I think I can do something different that will create a different experience. But then that was the year we came across the newer platform called Pathways. They started putting it in in December of that year. And I said, okay, all my area directors, here's what I want you to do. Anybody teaching this, go learn it. We are the first line of defense for the clubs. They're going to come to us before they go to any guide, any support. We have to learn what's going on. And they did a great job doing that. After that, our area directors went out to learn anything they could about Pathways. We did have our guides. We did have our supports for our guides. They did a phenomenal job. But as I suspected, our clubs came to us first. So we gave them as much information as we could. We always looped in the guides to make sure everybody was in the loop, connecting and communicating with each other. I asked my guys, just over-communicate. If they tell you to not communicate that much, that's fine. But I get get a feeling we're probably not going to get told that. No, we weren't. (laughs) And we had a really good year. We weren't distinguished. But we gave back trust based on what we earned from them because we communicated so well with them. From that point, the next year, I was honored to take on the public relations manager position for two years. That was fun. That was very challenging because now you're talking and presenting and trying to publicize for the entire state of Arizona. And as the public relations manager, it's not my job at that point then to broadcast about one club. It's the whole district. It's about our programs. It's about come see us over here. We got this contest over there. We have this out information going out. We had to broadcast through media releases, press releases, social media, anything we could get a hold of to make sure people knew what we were trying to do. That was a large task to take on, and for anyone interested in doing that, I think Nancy, our current public relations manager, would love the help because it can't be done by one person, and I think she's only got two people helping her right now. So if you're interested, I would contact Nancy Duckett. From that, it's whatever we can do. I've been a a club officer up until this year. I came out of that and they said, no, 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 Lisa, wait, we still need you to be a club officer. I said, I wasn't elected. This is good. This is what you do. So I had the honor of becoming their club advisor. If they have questions, they ask me, and I tell them, here's what my answer is. Here's what I've learned from international, from the district leadership, from people like you that are past international directors. And I told them, if I don't have the right answer, I'm going to help you find it, and I'll show you where I found it 
So that way you know where to get it next and you're empowered then to go look for more answers on your own. Not because I don't want to help them, but I want to empower them to do more on their own. I like that idea of the... It's not an official position in Toastmasters, but the club advisor. Yeah, that was kind just of Just someone in the club who is, has the experience. The way I look at it is, if I need to help, I'll help. But I always have to temper that with the recognition that we have new members who need experience. So don't just take it because, I okay, I know how to do this. I've done this 16 times already. But I have a disease. It's called inability to say a certain word. Would that it, be no? It's a short word, yeah. <laughs> That's two letters. <laughs> <laughs> two letters, starts with N, ends with O. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I think a lot of us do that, especially because we have such a giving heart that we want to keep giving. But if we don't say no sometimes, it's not that we're burning ourselves out too. That's part of it. But then we keep someone else from learning and stepping up. And right. we don't want to do that. Right. You started... You came out of the club experience by going to TLI, the, mm-hmm. the training institute, the T- Toastmasters Leadership Institute. <laughs> yeah. And you seem to have come full circle. Yep. Tell <laughs> us what you're doing this year. I am now the chair of Toastmasters <laughs> Leadership Institute. I saw some things that I thought we could do them differently and maybe get a different reaction. And I wanted to try them out. So I was voluntold or volunteered to become the chair of the Toastmasters Leadership Institute. And what I'm challenged with at the moment is finding not just people to maybe replace some of the core training that we did, just to see if we can take it up a notch. I want to find also what I call the 2.0 for club officer training. How do the top four then push or guide or lead their clubs across the finish line in June to distinguished. We've all got the basics down, and not all of our clubs change officers every six months. So what does that look like if I'm the president? What do I need to do to keep getting my club to move forward, to take on responsibility or challenges, and how do we meet them? As the vice president of education, how do I keep encouraging people to keep going forward in pathways to get across that line? Membership, how do we keep contacting our previous members, our guests, or how are we doing now with the new guest incentive? That's actually what that is. I don't know if you knew that. Club Growth, uh, DJ Reed, put together an incentive for open houses. Well, that's a guest incentive. So how do you get guests there? How do you follow up with them and encourage them to come back to a new meeting? And if we're hybrid, you can open this up to around the world. It doesn't have to be people local in the area unless your club is moving forward into a full in-person situation. So if you're planning on that, then I would go in the local area. But the incentive allows us to just open up to everything. And that's what I'm looking for is those four people, including the VPPR, which is our vice president public relations in the club. How do you get these clubs to go across that finish line the next six months? So those are the new techniques I'm looking for to bring to our TLI this year for our club officers. It is to do bringing back our hybrid guys to say, okay, what's next with hybrid? What do I do now, now that I've had more questions and done our research and whatnot, how do I get that done? Something to do hopefully with project management. I've got hopefully a guy that does project management coming in on board and I keep all others that I'm gonna keep secret for now. (laughs) What other kind of innovations do you have in mind for TLI? One of the things I wanted to do, and this could be because I did a lot of work in my college years working with the hard of hearing or deaf communities myself. I learned sign language for three years. 
I wanted to make this more inclusive for the hard of hearing people. I didn't want to leave them behind. And so with everything being online, the aspect that all you can do is hear, but you don't always get to see what's being said, that drove me crazy. So I contacted Harry Wolf. I've actually been working with him three or four years now from Audible Talkers. He's not the president, I don't think, this year, but he's basically the chairman. He's, the, he's my go-to guy when it comes to this. And I asked him, what software are you using to help make this more inclusive for members? There's got to be something out there that translates voice to text. He turned me on to a software called otter.ai. That's the animal, O-T-T-E-R dot A-I. It's a plugin that works in Zoom that you can put into Zoom. It has instructions on how to do that with your account. And I'd recommend for clubs, if they're going to do that, make sure that the cl uh, club has the Zoom account as an asset, that it responds to one of the club emails through Free Toast Toast or the, um, the vehicle that you're using for your club website. And then follow the instructions for otter.ai. And before you know it, you will have a transcription that can come up during the presentation or it'll also come up on the side panel where they can read it like they would if they were in a chat. YouTube takes care of a lot of that, but when you're in a club meeting, that's not always possible. And we want to make sure we don't leave that group behind if, if there's any way we can help it at all. Tell me again about this. You said make sure your Zoom is listed as an asset. So back up on that one. Okay. When I had done public relations in my second year, I stopped promoting in the last quarter of my second year, which was just last year, because that's when the shutdowns happened. We didn't know for sure how clubs were going to meet, how our district was going to handle anything. And I said, promotion's not the key right now. It's called how do we get our members to keep meeting. I trained a lot of our members on Zoom, something called Jitsi. We didn't have to necessarily do Microsoft meetings or Teams because the clubs already knew that if they were using it in their organization. But I must have trained on four or five different platforms, even Google Meets. When you make that an asset of the club, what we did in my home club is I encouraged my president at the time to go ahead and sign up for a Zoom account, and we pay for it. We pay $14.95 a month, but to make it to where the president's email for our club is the one that owns that. So that way, as the leadership changes every year, the president has the access. It's not me personally, Lisa Raymond, having the access. It's the president at president dash we markleSpeakers.toastmastersclubs.org, I think is what our email address ends up being. But it should be an asset of the club because it's a tool the club is using to do outreach and presentation. It's like bringing in your own equipment. You know, a person could do that and you do that with your club, Don. But if another club wanted to do that and say pay for it, well, then it should be an asset of the club and not a personal asset. Otherwise, if the person left the club, then who gets the Zoom account? Whereas in this case, if it passes through the leadership and uses the email from that person in leadership, it just keeps moving forward. It never loses contact with it. Same thing with your website, with your social media channels. They should all be assets of the club. I get it now. That makes perfect sense. Thanks. <laughs> you explain things well. I try. <laughs> you know, this idea of hybrid meetings is going to continue to come up as more and more clubs explore that process. And some of them are going to have a great experience like you've had because you've got that environment where the technology is cooked in. Others are going to have the experience like we have with some challenges yes. and everything in between. 
be interesting when we finally do. Uh, it sounds like Peter's working on something to mm-hmm. to do that. We could probably get, you know, half a dozen or ten clubs that have done it and see how they did it. Yes. What, what was the process? Yeah. TLI. If someone is interested in helping with Toastmasters Leadership Institute, I believe the next round of training is coming up pretty soon. It is. I'm actually looking for people now, either for facilitators or Zoom moderators, because this will be online, I'm told, this time, which is fine. We did it before. We'll do it again. I'm looking for moderators. I'm actually looking for video reviewers. I'm not sure what I'm calling the team yet, but basically as our presenters then give us their video of what they're going to present, I want people to review it to make sure that it's good. It's got good information. It doesn't do anything that goes sideways off a different track that doesn't make a sense of what's going on. And just give good feedback to the presenter of what they could do then to make it improved for the next experience or, hey, it's good to go. We can send it over to Don to have it uploaded to our YouTube channel. I'm looking for people that can help maybe help us not so much with the registration process, but making sure that our members know when the dates are coming up. I know PR is doing their best to try and get it out, and they can always use the help. There's nothing wrong with extra help with that. Our first session actually is slated for Monday, December 13th. Now, before you ask about the Monday, yeah, that was a weird date. (laughs) I'm a weird marketer. We usually do a Friday or a Saturday, and typically Saturdays, then we'll do one on Friday. We had to come up with another date in summer because we had so many people that still hadn't attended. We didn't know which way to go. And I said, well, what's the day that least impacts clubs in our district? And our program quality director, Karen Hewitt, said, well, by my research, that's Monday. So I said, fine, let's put a Monday on there and see what happens. The response was overwhelming. People liked the Monday because sometimes they have things going on on Friday and Saturday, whether it's with their business, with their family, religious groups. And it made sense to try and get away from the Friday-Saturday conundrum. So when we did that, they really liked that and wished we could have done it sooner. So I thought, let's lead off with it then this time and see what happens. Great idea. There's something else that you're involved with. I've A little birdie told me that you joined the District 3 Speakers Bureau. Mm -hmm. Tell me about the Speakers Bureau. This is where I'm looking to up my game to presenting, to go back to doing the presentations that I was doing before I came to Toastmasters. I've been away from that now for almost seven years, and I'd like to get back into that. So with Speakers Bureau, they're helping me learn how to craft my speeches more strategically than I've done before and getting more feedback that's a lot more direct. It's not so much the meeting evaluator sandwich that we've done in our clubs where you start with something positive, give some feedback that what I observed, here's what I think you could do to make it a little different or a little more improved and then end with a positive. This is more about, okay, raise your device up this way. You need to step back this way. You don't want to shout into the mic. I think if you don't turn off the overhead fan, for example, when I had a video going, as I did this in my club, they said, you know, that was distracting. I saw a shadow and I thought, that I never thought of before. Yeah. So it's those little things there, even from down in, into the clothes, the contrast that you have, they're really taking it down to the nuts and bolts and then finally asking, okay, if you make a call to action, what was it? Did it inspire someone to actually take the action? And then finally, why do they need to care about your presentation? So they're trying to craft this into something where you can actually go out and be a professional speaker. Usually our first events that we do for organizations is one time free. 
but that also sets the stage for you to be hired back at pay if the organization chooses to do that, which is phenomenal. And it also gives you a platform to say, I've spoken at this location, that location, which adds to your repertoire and your portfolio of where you've been for a speaker. Great. Now, <clears throat> my understanding, the Speakers Bureau has some professional speakers mm-hmm. who have already got that portfolio. And then there are some that want to get there. And they may have reached out and taken a step or two in that direction. And then there are just some regular Toastmasters who are wondering about all of that. And there's something for all of that, all of those people, right? There is. They have an emerging speakers platform for people that are just Toastmasters, just regular old people that are curious to say, okay, what if I wanted to be a facilitator at TLI? How would I do that? Most of us, I think the longest speech we've done is 10 to 12 minutes, I think in most of our cases. So how would you do a 50 to a 60 minute presentation or even 45, maybe 15 minutes of Q&A? Not anybody. That's not something you just pick up and do. Some people can, but most can't. So this environment for emerging speakers will help people learn how to do that, how to construct your bio. What would you put in there if you start maybe to try and formulate a contract, what that would look like? Then the professional end is the top end. They're already making it. Here's what you're doing here. And then they have me with people like me in the middle where I'm past emerging, but I'm not quite a professional yet. So we're going to tweak your bio. We're going to be a little more rough on you and say you should suit this, try this gauge it to where you're going to go to this specific specific spot, like say Blue Cross Blue Shield, and they're going to twip it around and do something different with it for the PRA Chamber of Commerce. I mean, you're going to craft it for different events that you're doing and tweak your presentations to go in that direction as well. So there is something for everyone and anyone who is even slightly interested in what this would do. I would contact this year's chair. His name is Steve Feld, and they can reach him at speakers at aztoastmasters.org and just send an email and say, hey, how does this work and what do I, you know, what can I do to get involved? Yeah. How, yeah. How can I get into this? Yeah. Yeah. I'll put all that information, Steve's email and so forth, into the show notes for people who are listening. Lisa, you have been super active in Toastmasters since the start Do you have any words of advice for a new Toastmaster, someone who just started literally maybe last week or last month, any advice to them on how to get the most from Toastmasters? I would say in that, be curious. Be curious about what you want to do. The reason I I dove in so much into Toastmasters is it's a training and development organization. And due to the fact that I've done training probably since I was 16, it rocks. I don't have a problem with it, so I can dive into it. For those who are starting out, you might get curious and say, okay, could I follow one of your club officers and see, okay, let me just dip my toe in the water and see what that looks like. Is there a club officer that needs help? Usually either membership or a vice president of public relations would love, love, love the the help on that because they're trying to get the word out. They're trying to get people to not so much commit, but to come back and see what the environment is like. Is the culture going to fit for that person or whatnot? After that, even if you're not an officer yet, I would seriously attend a session of Toastmasters Leadership Institute and just start opening up your mind, not so much to the club officer training, unless there's a club officer position you want to hold in the future. But we talk about different topics like leadership, 
Um, I think they did one once on change management before the COVID hit. So we had that session that went on. We have the hybrid going on. There's a lot of different topics that we like to spin into that so people get some learning out of it, and then they can ask their questions to get more out of it even then. There's an impact event that people could get to, but honestly, just ask questions. You know, what can I do? I don't know where my path is going. I used to say that, and I've told you that before, that I didn't know where my own personal path was going. I know now where it goes and where it ends. So now I just have to be brave enough to say, okay, I think I know where it ends, and I'm brave enough to get started with it for four more years, but that's up to me. That That's not something I'm ready for at the moment. For anybody else, it's okay to not do something right away. So don't worry about trying to do it, or what if I don't do it, and are people going to think less of me? This is your path. It's your speed, not mine. It's all about the members, not about the personal person in the chair position that's screaming, hey, I need help. It's up to you to decide, okay, I think I can help. I've got an hour a week. What could I do with that hour to help someone? And then just ask and see where it goes. Great advice. <laughs> you, you just said something that triggered me to remind our non-Toastmaster listeners that this is not a college programmer or anything like that. We don't have a curriculum on a schedule. We do have training programs but they're all at your own pace. That's true. You can go fast or you can go very de deliberately through the training program. You're going to make mistakes. We don't encourage mistakes, <laughs> but we recognize they will happen. Sure. And part of it is how we react to it, but how we learn from it. And from that, you know, you just triggered something in me, Don. If you're a brand new Toastmaster, even if you've been here two weeks, you can ask someone to be your mentor in the club. Let them guide you and walk that path with you. And I guarantee you will not regret it. Yeah. Lisa, this has been a fun interview. <laughs> it's Hearing you talk about your experiences in Toastmasters, I hope the listeners are excited about what you've done and have gotten some great ideas for their own path. Thanks for being on the show. You're welcome. It's been my pleasure. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Grand Canyon Echoes, the voice of District 3 Toastmasters. To volunteer to be featured on the podcast or to suggest future topics, write podcast at aztoastmasters.org. That email again is podcast at aztoastmasters.org. Toastmasters International and all other Toastmasters International trademarks and copyrights are the sole property of Toastmasters International. This podcast is independent of Toastmasters International. It is not endorsed by, sponsored by, affiliated with, or otherwise connected with Toastmasters International other than for the use of the name Toastmasters International.